0: parenting with a narcissist, sometimes it's very difficult to have conversations with the children. Today, I am bringing in an expert, Christina McVie, who's going to teach us how to have these difficult conversations. Um, How do we tell the children that we're getting a divorce? What do they need to hear? And what are they looking for? Because often we think, and sometimes parents do, they need to tell them more details than the kids need how do we gracefully do that um how do we handle it when the children come home from the narcissist house and they're puppeting lies why did you get a divorce you never listened to mommy why did you steal all the money why did you blah 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 why did you lie why did you have an affair all of these kind of conversations that they're going to come back at you with what do you do how do you deal with that and not get triggered how do you deal with it and help the children through it give it a a learning experience an opportunity to teach and then i i'm going to ask christina an important question today and i know a lot of you have this happen what do we do when the child starts to act like a narcissist how do we talk to them right i've got another video out there with uh, wendy bahari which we kind of covered this but i want you to know what do we do in regards to the divorce when um, the children start to really remind you of your narcissist how do we treat the behaviors that they're doing how do we talk to them how do we not freeze up so many people just like their their child does something that reminds them of their ex they get triggered and they freeze or they react just as if they were reacting to their spouse so Christina is going to teach us what to do in this situation, because it happens to a lot of families. Sometimes the kids give you that. They are like bred from the same seed and they are narcissistic and they're scary. Other times, these are adapted behaviors that they need to be um, controlled by the non-NARC parent to say, that's not okay. In this house, we do this, right? It's It's an opportunity to not let them hold on to these things that they're trying to do so my name is tracy malone i am the founder of support.com and you can find all the information about dealing with a narcissist or co-parenting on that website i am a coach and i work with people all over the world so let's go welcome christina and i will see you on the other side hi christina i am so excited to see you again hi tracy it's lovely to be back i know you are the co-parenting expert and i tell everyone who is watching this to buy your book parenting apart it is one of the best um books for divorcing parents to understand and how to co-parent and i give to my clients even though they're not really co-parenting with a narcissist yeah usually parallel parenting, but this is what you need to know about what your kids are going through at the stages, the things that you can do on your own, even if the other parent isn't playing the game with co-parenting with you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I really believe that co-parenting is um, more of uh, a value, right? It's um, a philosophy that we embrace. It doesn't necessarily, it's not a transaction, um, so if the other parent isn't on board, that's okay because really it's all about how do you want to show up for your
0: kids. Right. And and how how do we, you know, still feel that we have the right to independently guide our children if the other parent isn't playing. So this is such a, a great tool. This leads me into, and, and the topic of our conversations today are going to be like the difficult conversations with our kids. And what do we do? How do we say, how do we handle it? So, because divorce is Tracy's specialty, apparently these days with my book, um, <laughs> um, how do we tell the kids about divorce? So many parents do this wrong.
1: Right. So, um, do you mean explain divorce to like, them? Like yeah. we're
0: divorce. Hey guys, we're gone.
1: Yeah. So I recommend don't have an impulsive conversation that's the first thing. You really need to have a plan going into this conversation. And the reason for that is, is this first conversation is really critical in terms of you're laying the groundwork, not just for that particular conversation, but all the conversations that follow, because it's not a one and done, right? Kids are going to, different things are going to occur to them, um, come up for them. They're going to get older. They're going to have different questions. So You want to really kind of set a foundation that encourages kids to be open, to ask questions, to know that it's okay to talk about it. We're not going to suffer in silence. Um, And so how you handle this first conversation is really critical. Now, for folks in your community, Chances are they're not going to be having a joint conversation with their co-parent. They're going to need to handle this on their own. And so I would really recommend sitting down and, and asking yourself, you know, what's going to be important to my kids? What are some things, well, what's going to change and what's going to stay the same? And identify those. Okay. So when you sit down and talk with them, I think it's important to have kind of a short, straightforward explanation that is age appropriate. And that varies depending on if they're three or 13 or 33 right? in terms of how you craft the information. Mm-hmm. But basically you want to let kids know, um, that you've decided to get a divorce and a divorce means, you know, we're just, we're not going to be husband and wife or wife and wife or husband and husband anymore. Um, but we will always be your parents. Mm-hmm. That's never going to change. And so that's a really important thing for parents to hear. I think it's also important. I recommend that parents talk about divorce as a change in a family, not the end of the family, mm, yeah. right? Because kids, I mean, a large part of how they see themselves, how they relate to the world, mm-hmm. family is that, family is that foundation. And you may not be able to do anything about how the other co-parent handles that part of the equation, Mm -hmm. but I very much believe in the power of one. And that means that if kids can have one stable, nurturing, consistent, reliable, dependable person in their lives, Mm -hmm. they have a much better chance of being resilient and happy and thriving.
0: And so many of my clients, you know, that are the parents, they 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 shrivel up when they are in this sort of situation where they, wow, wow, how am I gonna say it? Or the other end of that coin is that the kids are getting a different message from the other narc parent. Mm-hmm. And that's where they just don't know how to respond to them. Well, that's, that's
1: very important. That's a great question. Like, what do you do when the parent says something totally different? Um, and I think parents sometimes get caught into the trap of either saying too much or saying too little, right? So I'm not going to contradict the other parent because I, I don't want to make them look bad or I don't, you know, really want to keep it about the kids. Well, silence isn't always golden. Mm -hmm. The other side of that is, oh, well, I'm going to tell them the absolute truth. And I'm going to tell them exactly, you know, why what the other parent is saying is a total lie and completely fabricated with not a, a shred of reality in there. And vilifying the other parent or contradicting them doesn't help kids either. It just draws them further into the middle of a no-end situation. Because when they get information from you, by default, they check it out with the other parent. Always. kids are, Yeah. They're trying to figure out who's telling me the truth. Mm -hmm. And so with that scenario, what's best for kids is for us to have a balanced conversation with them that falls somewhere in the middle. Like we want to protect them from the adult details. Mm -hmm. We don't want to put them in a situation where they feel they have to go back and forth and fact check. Mm -hmm. But we also don't want to keep quiet. So what kids, you know, when they say, well, daddy said blah, 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 right? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You might say, how do you feel about that? What do you think about what daddy said? Mm -hmm. I would start there by seeing what kind of ideas they have because kids are really perceptive Mm -hmm. and, you know, you are going to give them a lot of evidence to the contrary in terms of the relationship you have with them and how you show up for them. So I would say, start with, well, what do you think about what daddy said? Because it's also important to remember that when kids ask this questions, there's usually another question under there. (laughs) There's like some layers and if we don't take the time to really get curious with them, we won't get to that part. So I would say first start there. And then I think the next step is to say, wow, like depending on the comment, but you might say something like, wow, it sounds like dad's really angry. You know, sometimes when parents split up, um one parent might be really upset or angry or hurt and the way they deal with those feelings is by saying mean things things to hurt the other parent's feelings and sometimes hearing those things is really confusing for kids mm-hmm. gosh i'm so sorry
0: you had to hear that wow that's good <laughs> <laughs> Wow, you are so amazing. So what do they need to hear in the in this, we're getting a divorce conversation with or without the other parents? Like, I know, like, again, you talked about where are we going to live? What's this going to mean? Are we going to have no family? Where am I going to spend Christmas? You know, does the dog get to go? Yeah. <laughs> no, because those are really, we're addressing their fears. How could we tap into that to say, what are your concerns or how, how do we handle that? What do they need to hear and how do we handle it?
1: Well, so I think you're absolutely right. You want to tick all the big boxes, right? What are some things they're going to be worried about? Am I going to be in the same school? Am I going to still see the same people? When am I going to see mom? When am I going to see dad? Like, when am I going to spend time with each of my parents? Mm -hmm. Um, are we going to have to move, Mm -hmm. you know, all those kind of big worries. And so I think you do the best you can with what you know for now, because the the chances are you're not going to have answers to all of their questions. And so this sometimes is really causes parents to feel very anxious. Well, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Like we're just at the very beginning stages or it's okay to say to kids, you know what? We're still trying to work that out. Mm -hmm. And when we figure it out, you'll be the first to know if you have any questions and i think this is again really important to say to kids if you have any questions or there's something you're not sure about or there's something that's worrying you it's okay to let me know we'll talk about it we'll figure it out together
0: nice yeah and and again what you're saying is just the logical things that the pressure of this kind of conversation again, many victims of of narcissistic abuse, they freeze. They, they, they're so afraid of saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong Mm -hmm. thing. And they, they hold things in. Right. I I had a situation recently where a son came home to daddy. It was narc mom. And, you know, mom had said a lie and the kid was demanding the truth. And he was, you know, nine, 10 or something like that. I want to know the truth. And the father was so frozen with Do I say mom had the affair and this and that and that? Or or how do I get to that simpler answer to tell the truth, but without necessarily throwing the other parent under the bus?
1: Right. So I I think uh, a lot of parents struggle with this in a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, I think that it's helpful for kids to hear, well, that may be the way mom sees it. Mm -hmm. that's not the way I see it. Or that may be the way mom is looking at the situation. That's not, I don't agree with what she said. And here's what you need to know. Just because mom believes this way doesn't mean you need to believe this way. Mm -hmm. And if there's a certain way that I'm believing about mom, doesn't mean you need to believe it. You need to make up your own mind about us as your parents. Um, Our problems are not your problems. And so I I think that that's important for kids to hear so they can get a degree of separation from adult issues and worries. I think it's also important for kids to hear, I will answer your questions, but there may be some questions I choose not to answer Mm -hmm. because our problems are our problems. They have nothing to do with you. And I would never want to say anything that would change how you feel about your other parent. Mm
0: -hmm. Nice just love this we could talk all day (laughs) that that reassuring the children in this kind of conversation that we will both still love you like this is again you're saying this isn't about you this is a a couple but we'll you'll still have the other parent in your life right Mm mm-hmm
1: Yes, absolutely. And I and I think, you know, there's just some key messages and that one about, you know, you don't have to pick and choose. You don't need to figure out who's right or wrong. You get to love both of us and we're always going to love you.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: we may not always see eye to eye. Mm-hmm. This is part of the reason that we've made this decision because there are a lot of ways where we're not good together.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We don't see things the same way.
0: Mm-hmm gold this is absolutely gold so um difficult conversations submitted by some of my clients and friends who were like oh let's get her answer this one for us so <laughs> it's almost like it's a game show we're gonna be like okay and this one next right um when when the um child comes home with a series of lies a series of Mm -hmm. you stole money you cheated whatever the 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 drama that that comes into this or lies in many cases in my world um you know how does the parent combat these lies again age appropriate do you tell a three-year-old mommy had an affair or daddy did this where do we where do we draw the line on defending the truth without rocking the boat of turning the kid against the other parent
1: so again, this is really, really tricky. And I tell parents all the time, um, don't fight fire with fire. Cause your kids are going to get burnt. Mm-hmm. So That's when nice. you jump in to set the record straight, to tell your side of the story, again, we're drawing these kids into a no-win situation because they will continue to bounce back and forth between parents, trying to figure out who's right and who's wrong. So I think again, circling it back to this idea about, gosh, that must have been validating, right? We want to validate the child's experience. Gosh, that must have been really hard for you to hear. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't agree with what the other parent said. This is a this is an issue between me and the other parent. It doesn't have anything to do with you.
0: Mm-hmm. Nice. All of those, those, all of those situations, doesn't
1: matter what the situation, that's the answer. Right. Well, and I want to say it's not an easy answer, right? It's hard to do in the moment because when you're being hit with something that you know that there's not a shred of truth in, there is a part of you that's going to feel really, really compelled to want to set the record straight, to want to tell kids your truth. And I think it's important to remember that the truth is kind of a slippery slope, right? There's a lot of different ways to speak it. And so whenever possible, you really want to focus on the problem, not the person. And the problem is, is that your child has heard some things that you don't agree with. Mm -hmm. Instead of getting into really addressing everything the other co-parent did and what kind of person they are. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, and and I really think there's a lot of power in telling kids, you know, our problems are not your problems. Mm-hmm. Just because that's the way the other parent sees things doesn't mean that's how you have to see things. And I think to even go a step further sometimes in these really severe situations where there are mental health issues or really outrageous behaviors, or kids are told things that are really wounding to them, um, because a parent's trying to really influence children to reject you. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think that you want to give them a context. And so when they say, well, my parent told me, you don't really, you don't really love me. You don't really want to be spending time with me. You just do it because you don't want to pay money or some, you know, oh, something so. like that, right? <laughs> really <laughs> right to the heart. Um, you know, you can, again, circle back to this idea that when parents split up, they have a lot of strong feelings. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when they're feeling angry or hurt, um, one of the ways they may deal with that is by thinking the very worst of the other person. They can't see anything good about the other parent. They can only see the things that they that they don't like, or um, maybe they tell themselves things because of those feelings for such a long time that they begin to believe them.
0: Right, right. But it, what you just said was like, when we're telling the child that, you know, sometimes during divorce, they get angry, people get angry, right? How do we stop the child to say, it's not okay for you to get angry. We're not saying that they are allowed to feel their feelings, but you know, when they start acting out, they now have the card that goes, it says divorce. I'm allowed to get angry because we just said, sometimes it happens. How do we tell them that what they're doing, if they do cross that line, um, mm. to, to kind no, of, that's a- you know. Like, how, how do we help them? Because this is what you just said, establishes that when people get divorced, they could get angry and you're going, and I don't agree, but now the kid starts to get angry and goes, but I got the card that says I can get out of jail free because we're going through a divorce. So I could be mean, right? What do we say to that kid? No, that's not the message.
1: (laughs) And that's a really important distinction. And I'm so glad you brought that up. Mm -hmm. All right. So there's nothing wrong with getting angry at all it's what you do with it that matters and in this house one of the ways that we manage being angry doesn't involve saying mean things to someone that you love it doesn't mean laying hands it doesn't mean putting your fist through walls it you know so um kids need love and limits um and when they're angry that's when they need them the most and they still need the validation so when kids are getting into that space and they're managing those types of feelings in inappropriate ways, trying to correct that behavior in the moment isn't going to be helpful. Mm-hmm. So you need to shut it down, stay calm and grounded yourself. And that's hard. That's really, really hard in the moment when they're telling you they hate you and they hate your rules and just really dishing it out say, you know what, right now we're both feeling really frustrated and angry. This is not a time for us to work this problem out. Once things calm down, then I'm happy to have a discussion. So getting things cooled down as much as possible. Then you circle back. You say, you know what, when you were really mad at me and you said X, Y, Z, right, that really hurt my feelings. You know, there's nothing wrong with being angry, but it is not okay for you to be disrespectful. It's not okay for you to hurt people. It's not, you know, and you go through all the things that are inappropriate ways of expressing the feeling, Right. but you don't want them to be in a double bind because Mm -hmm. what we do is we do a good job of telling kids what they can't do, but we don't tell them what they can do. So we need to address that other side of the coin by saying, when you're feeling upset, let's talk about what you, ways you can deal with it that are okay. And I would recommend for young kids that you make a list, mm-hmm. right? Even school age kids, write them down, give them at least three options, or draw pictures and give them three options and put them somewhere where they'll see them on the regular, like whether it's on the refrigerator or in their bedroom, so that when those, you know, when the anger kicks in, you can remind them. Remember one of the things we talked about is that when you're feeling angry, you need to pick something from your list. Mm
0: -hmm. So give me three things for the list. I want. Okay. (laughs) So deep
1: breathing is super important. I would always put something on the list that they can do anywhere. Mm -hmm. Because, um, you know, if one of the things is you can go outside and shoot hoops, you can't do that when you're in the car, you can't do that when you, you know, run around the yard until you're not you know, angry anymore. You can't do that when you're in class. So deep breathing. Um, and there's a really great technique. It's called the, the five, five finger technique, where you have kids take one hand and put it down on the floor or on a piece of paper or on a tabletop. And you have them take their pointer finger of the other hand and trace their hand that's on the table. And when they get to the top of their finger, they take a breath in. And when they get to the very top and they go back down, they release, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. And it gives them a way of really taking, oh, you need to slow that down a little bit, move your finger slower, but it gives them a way to kind of regulate the, that breathing, which resets their system. Right.
0: And also just the, you know, we all know that when, when working with little children distraction and, you know, find three blue things in the room. And, you know, it gets their mind off of what they're struggling with. And that's what the whole hand and everything is doing at the same time.
1: Right. Right. Well, and asking them to kind of, you want to help them process the anger, like, okay, I can tell you're feeling really angry. So what color is your anger? Mm -hmm. How big is it? Mm -hmm. Can you set it in your lap? Could you put your arms around it? Would it fill the whole room? You know, how big would it be? So you get some feedback from them on just exactly how angry are they? And okay, so what could we do to make that anger just a little bit smaller? How could we do that together? Mm -hmm. So, coming up with ways that are age appropriate, um, that are acceptable in your household, um, uh, regulating body temperature is really important. You know, so letting them hold a, a piece of ice in their hand or take a cold shower or um drop down the temperature in a room put them in front of a fan Um, those can be really helpful things sometimes I tell kids to do sit-ups and push-ups till they're not feeling angry anymore give that body some way to kind of just
0: move it yeah
1: yeah other kids that may be drawing maybe journaling maybe they just need physical space Mm -hmm. right where they can go sit in the backyard and they can count it out Mm -hmm. um or have some time to just reflect depending
0: on their age Mm -hmm. those are perfect I love that I have one more teeny tiny and I hope we have time for it so you'll have to talk fast kind of a thing (laughs) so this is really big again back to the narc abuse world um when the child starts to repeat the patterns of the narcissistic parent again, maybe they're being rude, maybe they're doing this, maybe they're stealing, maybe they're, um, you know, accusing the other parent of things, right? How does the the parents, again, I'm thinking the non-narc parent are coming into this situation where the child is acting like the narcissist and Mm -hmm. parents that I work with, their first reaction is freeze. Oh, it's happening! Oh no! I don't. And they just don't have the communication. They get angry with them. You're just like your father. You're just like your mother. And they just throw them out of their lives, without ever having a conversation. And again, what we've talked about so far is, you know, you just hurt my feelings, or what you said did it. There's a lot of that. But they just freeze on actually talking, and then it builds this wall between them that they think the kid is unsavable. How do you? Talk? Mm-hmm. Like that yeah
1: so i think first of all <clears throat> manage your reaction mm-hmm. um <laughs> and in that moment you know when it's you feel it, it maybe you do feel like freezing and you don't know what to say and and maybe what you do in that moment is saying you know what i'm i i don't even know what to say right now
0: mm-hmm.
1: i just don't even know what to say i mm-hmm. need to take some time to think about this and give yourself that time. Better to take a step back
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, and and re-enter a conversation or readdress an issue in a thoughtful way than to you know give this uh, knee-jerk reaction mm-hmm. and have an impulsive conversation and let things get a lot bigger or out of hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be my first. You want to address it in a thoughtful way. If you need help processing it find somebody and go talk to your coach go talk to your best friend who can you know not add fuel to the fire but you know will listen and and be objective maybe you have a counselor maybe you have a support group like you offer you know but get some support and reflect and process what's going on for you like ask yourself okay what's my issue here oh I got triggered because that behavior really reminds me of the other parent mm-hmm. right? And then um, really separate what happened with your child from the other parent, Mm -hmm. two separate issues. Yes, it may remind you of the other parent, but that does not mean your child is destined to be a carbon copy of the narcissist. Mm -hmm. And so again, you want to really focus on the problem. The problem is you lied about the situation and, and for that reason, that's, not acceptable um i want us to have a trusting relationship and so here's the consequence of that behavior so you you address the child and the behavior and just do your very best to create a degree of separation Mm -hmm. and and by the way that kind of stuff doesn't just happen in these situations it happens in lots of divorcing situations because when kids were little you know or we were still together we'd say oh that's your dad's blue eyes. They're so pretty. And oh, you've got mom's smile. Or you're so good at, you know, making people um, maybe making people smile just like your mom. You know, kids got all this positive feedback. And then when divorce enters the scene, all of a sudden it's like you just said, oh, you're such a slob, just like your dad. Or you're just like your mother. You don't think about anybody. You're so selfish. Yeah. Oh, what does that do to kids
0: self-image? <sighs> it destroys it and shut down and then they react as as their reactions are reactive right they're reacting to the hurt that they they got from those kind of comments yeah yeah huge so yeah this has been an amazing interview thank you so much for your time i again will put a link down below for everyone to buy your book it is a big book I read it on vacation, I couldn't put it down and I don't even have any parents that I was co-parenting with, but obviously helping for my clients and it is just a, a way, a window into being a good parent. So let's get people to read that book and learn how to have these difficult conversations. Thank you so much, Christina.
1: Oh, always my pleasure. Thank you, Tracy.
0: I hope you found that helpful. I know I did. Every time I talk to her, I get more inspired. I think of other little snippets that people can be putting into the conversations to make things easier for them while they're co-parenting. I'm gonna make another plug for Christina's book and I will put the link down below because I truly believe that if you are co-parenting with a narcissist, regardless of this book saying, parenting apart, it's still, what do you do on your end? The narcissist is not going to parent them. So how do I parent apart, not together? And I'm not saying parallel parenting, that's a whole nother ball of wax. I am saying we have different of, of opinions or they lie or they can say these things, right? What I love about this book is in every age group, your children's like developmental stuff is in here. And it's going to show you um what would be normal, but during a divorce what are they going to feel? They're going to feel anger. And how do we recognize the anger in a child? How do we help them with it? How do we recognize when they're bargaining? How do we you know, help them through this? Every one of the different emotions and the, the things that your kids are going to go through are all in this book. So go get her book. For 20 bucks, you're going to have an answer like 500 hours with a therapist. It's going to help you get started on parenting your children apart. This is Tracy Malone. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this video, please give the like a thumbs up or subscribe to my channel. If you're listening to a podcast, thank you so much. And I look forward to seeing you again soon.